Hi, I'm Brenda. And I'm Elaine. We're sisters. Welcome to the Body Wealth Podcast, a space for conversations about the wealth that really matters, your best health. In the Black community, many parents viewed an attention deficit hyperactivity disorder diagnosis with suspicion. And we get it because we know the harm that our children have suffered from being labeled and dismissed. But it is time to end the stigma associated with ADHD, a condition that affects millions of children and adults. In today's episode, Krista Bradley, who was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, talks to us about why she views it as a superpower. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Really, really good. For a variety of reasons, my dad is going to be staying with us for a few weeks, but it's a good thing because Uh I just love, you know, making his breakfast and talking to him over breakfast and having him around. You and I have known each other since college. You are such a joy to know, just a light in my life. And I could say lots about you, but we want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners. Just tell us what you would like to share about yourself. Oh, sure. Thank you, Brenda. I feel the same way about you. My name is Krista Bradley. I am Gulp, 59 years old. (laughs) I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I've made my career working in the performing arts industry, and I'm married, and I've been married for 25 plus years. Wow. And we have a dog, a black lab named Lucy. (laughs) Lucy. (laughs) Well, congratulations on that 25 years of marriage. You got a good one. I did. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So, so many times folks rail against things like diagnoses of ADHD. Mm. And I've heard you say that your ADHD is a superpower. So why do you say that? <laughs> well, you know, ADHD is is definitely a gift. There are people, particularly Ned Howell, who's been such a champion of ADHD and people those who have ADHD, adults in particular, as well as children, talks about ADHD as having a supercharged brain. You kind of have this race car brain. For me, at least, I tend to connect things really quickly. I see patterns quickly. I'm deeply intuitive. I feel like when you have ADHD, the norm, the normal way of think norm, air quotes, way of thinking doesn't really... um, it's not part of what the way that you look at the world, right? Mm -hmm. So you tend to see solutions that are creative and not traditional. And Mm -hmm. I love that. I love not being traditional. I love being able to see things that connect dots that other people can't. And we're, we're sometimes rare, although it seems like I just am meeting more and more people with adult ADHD. My husband has ADHD. We, we mm-hmm. discovered that. Some of my closest friends do. So many people in the arts and the creative industries do. So we're everywhere. And that's a gift to humanity. Amen. <laughs> sure it is. And I'm, I, it's sad in many ways that we have defined something as normal because they're really, everything's a spectrum. There is no, you know, way to be on any. And I think we're learning that now, but we've created a society that doesn't appreciate it. 
So it's uh, so true. I'm glad that we're where we are now, but that wasn't necessarily the case growing up. No, right, right, and sure. certainly the evolution of in my 20s, 30s, 40s, because I didn't get a diagnosis until mid 40s. So wow. just so living that. How way. did you get to that diagnosis? Well, it was sort of a lining of the stars. It feels like my mother had died. And I was dealing with a great deal of depression and my physician suggested that I go on Wellbutrin and I did. And after two weeks, I was in a a new position in a a job and I found myself being very calm and very focused and, and accomplishing my tasks in a way that just felt very easy, you know, and I thought, well, gosh, maybe it's the new job. Like I'm doing things that are, (laughs) that I really like. So that was one kind of inkling. And then Mm -hmm. a very good friend of mine talked about this book called Delivered from Distraction, which is written by Ed Howell and John Brady. And it really kind of lays out ADHD as a diagnosis and talks a lot about different case studies of people, how they manage their ADHD. But one of the biggest sections was just a, like a, 125 questions that range from general questions to really specific ones. And I went back and looked at the book and I checked off like 90 of the 125. (laughs) And and some of them were really funny. Like, are you chuckling while you're actually doing this quiz? Because you're wondering why I know you so well. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's great. And just, that was such a big opening door for me. And, and then I started learning more about ADHD and you know, when you think you might have it, what are some ways to navigate that and getting a, an official diagnosis and looking at coaches and looking back at your history? That's such an important part of ADHD diagnosis. So I did all of it as an ADHD person sometimes goes <laughs> full hog, right? You know, <laughs> super, um, focused on that. super focused on that. I've got all these books I've read. And, and then it turns out that right around the corner from my house is a place called the ADHD Chesapeake Center. It was focused on the study of ADHD for adults and kids. So I, this is why I say the stars were a bit of aligned. Right. And I went there and they showed me how to look back at my school records and report cards and comments that my teachers would say. And so we did. And it was so funny. Krista is so bright. It's just that she constantly talks with with people next door. If she could just focus, if she could just not be so squirmy, but she's a delight to have in class. That was kind of just the the theme all the way through. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And I just thinking about teachers even in middle school saying gosh you know you forget your head if you if it wasn't screwed on to your neck you know because I was nice no it wasn't (laughs) nice but just you know I was forgetting things all the time my parents were always bringing things to school because I I was you know I would forget things I would forget I had an assignment I would forget my books in a class so just kind of seeing those patterns along the way and cramming for uh, projects, not being able to sit and focus for a couple of hours after after school. So just finding those patterns, and even as a as a young adult, thinking about that. So all those uh, more confirmation. Yeah, more, more confirmation, and and you know the ADHD centers basically said, yeah, you definitely have it, and let's let's figure out ways to manage it. So that was great. It was such a it was such a relief to know 
that I wasn't stupid or I didn't have a lot of drive or I just couldn't seem to stay focused and do things like other people. But had you thought those things? Had you thought I'm stupid or I don't have drive? I had, I mean, I, you know, um, it was not easy to get through college and I didn't do it in the four years. I had to go back and finish because Mm -hmm. I just couldn't get it together, you know, and, and sort of stay focused. And so, and with projects at work, I was always doing things last minute. It was, it was really hard to just kind of meter out projects. And that always felt horrible, right? Not being able to, even mm-hmm. when your, your intent is there, but sometimes you're just not following through on that. Especially watching other people around you doing it and saying, Hey, how come I can't? Right. But that's of- what I believe, like the system is designed, especially the educational system, mm. for one type of kid, right? One so type true. Of person, even in the work world, even in the work world, right? Oftentimes, not always. And so I think it's great that hopefully we're evolving past that. So no teacher is going to say to a yeah. kid, you have to get your head if it wasn't screwed on. That's not nice. That's so, so nice. You know, yeah. you were able to thrive despite not really having systems that were designed for the way your brain works. That's so So true. That's another testament to your sort of drive and intelligence and wonderfulness. Thank you. I I also think my parents are so, they just were so encouraging and they knew I was bright. I mean, my, what is that? What is that test that they give you? My IQ was just like off the charts. Yeah. So they knew She's got, you know, her brain's fast. She's she's doing all these things, and she they were very encouraging, which was fantastic. That's you know? and great. Not a lot of parents are. They're not no. like screaming at you not to forget. My son has ADHD, as you know, and so I used to buy ten pairs of gloves at the beginning of winter because <laughs> I was so over getting frustrated about lost gloves. I was like, okay. What we're going to change is the availability of gloves. We're not going to scream about why we've lost another pair. And just little things like that help me. Exactly. And just being able to to shift, you know, just a quarter of the way. It's like, oh, let's not get upset about the loss. Let's figure out ways to mitigate how challenging it is to to keep all of them. So I have lots of gloves because of that. Minimize frustration. Minimize frustration. (laughs) And it's not hard, those things, but we had sometimes as parents, we need to be taught or, you know, shown the way because that's just not the way that our society has defined things at this point. So did you ever um, see a medical professional, you know, after you realized that you had this, did you feel the need to see one? So how did medicine or medical profession come into play for you? Well, the Wellbutrin was was really kind of, and still remains the only medication that I'm on. I did talk to my primary care physician about having ADHD and, and she said, you know, you could go to a psychiatrist. I have high blood pressure. So she was really adamant about me not getting onto stimulants. Mm-hmm. And most of the medication then, like in, you know, 10, 15 years ago, seemed to be very stimulant focused. Yes. So I just, took the path of least resistance. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, Butrin seems to be helping. Behavior modification and coaching and putting together systems all really helped me figure out different ways to work, right? So 
I work better in spurts. I have a Pomodoro timer on my computer. So I work in 20, 25 minute increments and then I take a break. I know that exercise is really important for me. It helps me clear my brain and it works really well. My coach at the time that I first got diagnosed helped me understand how long things take and to track my time and to block my time in a way. And it was like I was given a magic magic eyeglasses. All of a sudden I was seeing the way that my day could work in a different manner and how I could work in a different manner just by having those tools. So that was really, really helpful. And just even like financial management, how do I kind of keep track of paper? (laughs) Uh, And how do I set time aside for that kind of task? So those kind of structural things were amazing. Over time, I started subscribing to other journals around ADHD. There's a great chapter here in the DC area, Chad, and subscribe to Attitude Magazine, which is also a great monthly or bi-monthly magazine around ADHD issues and management and stories. So I've learned a lot. So that's a long answer to your question that the medical profession, we were consultative, but really it was learning about all these other supports, psychological counseling, the psychological coaching, the other resources that exist, and then also diet and nutrition. That's been really important for me. Like sugar, sugar, not good for ADHD for, at least for me, it's horrible. And I learned that through just your research and these organizations and your reading. Yeah. And my experience, I just, I would know if I had sugar cookies, gluten, dairy. It was like someone had turned on a channel and there was static and it was just really hard, harder to kind of stay focused. And so I learned that I probably shouldn't really do sugar and I need to have a lot of protein in the morning. And meditation has also helped me a great deal with ADHD. How would someone who was feeling Mm -hmm. like they might have ADHD get to these resources. Yeah. Well, I would, I speak so highly about CHAD, which I don't even know what it sounds, stands for C-H-A-D-D, but it's, I think it's the National Association. We'll link to it. Yeah, we'll link to it in the resources. Um, And then Ned Howell's work, and he's got several centers around the country, um, um, are great resources, newsletters, email, blogs have been fantastic. And recently I've discovered a whole bunch of podcasts Mm. around ADHD and adult ADHD and and they're hilarious and, you know, poke fun at, at all the things that are wonderful and crazy about crazy in a good way uh, about having this, this kind of brain and, and what it means and ways to kind of get around certain things and, and lean into the beauty of an ADHD brain. So I think that there are lots of resources now and a lot of stories that are highlighted that show people the range because ADHD doesn't manifest itself in, in all the same ways. My husband has more inattentive ADHD, whereas mine is a little bit hyper. I'm also an extrovert. So it comes out like in so many different ways. And I think that's really important that there we understand the spectrum of how this manifests, but I'm so happy that there are more resources now. And mm-hmm. I, I wish the medical profession would connect the dots a little bit around how does ADHD affect other parts of your physical well-being, 
with nutrition and with exercise and just being aware. And also how can the frontline folks, if you have a nurse practitioner or other, other people that you're dealing with, that they understand the signs and react differently. Yeah. React differently. And I just, I wish the world, whether it's the office space or your physician or other people were better educated about how this manifests itself so that they might suggest things. The only reason I even thought about ADHD was because a friend told me about this book Mm -hmm. and she suggested that maybe this is something you should read. And I just wish there were other people that were hyper aware that this is a potential and there are more people that have it, particularly adults who don't know that they have it, that there were some more intervention there. Yeah. I mean, it makes me feel like, I I wonder when you talk about that, like for kids whose parents don't have it and who just are depending on the medical profession when they, they see their kids struggling in certain ways. Back then it was like, if somebody thought your kid had some sort of issue like that, it was automatically medicine, you know, yes. you know, took them in and they were like, oh, they need to be on this drug so we can keep them in the classroom doing what everybody else mm. is doing. And I think all those resources are great and they need to be hopefully um, addressed towards parents as well. Yes, that's so important. And and ADHD is often hereditary. So yeah. that's how a lot of, I think, adults and parents have realized it's like, oh, well, that I do that. But I just thought that was kind of whatever, you know, or I tried um, to hide it or, you know, I tried yeah, to, right. And it manifests itself in different ways. You, you know, my my mother definitely had it <laughs> most definitely had it you know just um the, did she, she know was, it no she had no idea right. so she was charming she was witty she was smart she was quick on her feet in any kind of situation mm-hmm. but she would lose things all the time and <laughs> you know she would find it in the pocket of her of her dressing gown like what the, why would you put that in the you, you know you're, <laughs> you're, you're not thinking about these things so right. yeah I also think that it's great insight for for adults who mm-hmm. maybe you have it maybe your parent had it but it does tend to follow hereditary lines so it's a great way to to discover and learn about and maybe you know understand and connect things for yourself and you're as you're also trying to navigate and help support your kid and this is why I think it's important for us to talk to friends and family, because something yes. we're seeing in this podcast so much is we don't often talk about our physical slash mental struggles with the people closest to us. And not only is the genetic factor an important, like, oh, if I, as your mom, am dealing with this, you might be dealing with it mm-hmm. too. But also, as you said, your friend gave you the book. Mm-hmm. about ADHD. So, you know, being able to share resources and help friends along the way, we can only do that if we talk to each other. Yeah. And that's, that's sometimes really hard to be, you know, I have not been super out about my ADHD diagnosis. Although recently I just, I just drop it in conversation. I was talking to the alumni VP yesterday, Brenda of our alma mater. And I just, said, well, you know, I have ADHD, so it's very easy for me to get excited about a number <laughs> of things. And I was surprised how easy for me it was. And, right. And I was proud of it. It's like, yeah, it's not the stigma. And thank you for doing that and for being on this podcast, because I think we need to reduce the stigma so that more parents yes. can 
think about, oh, is this something I should look into for my child or myself? You know, I think the stigma- And all parents should ways. be trying to figure out what is the best way to help their child be successful. And exactly, because every child is different. And so right. that needs just to be the baseline for everybody. Exactly. And sometimes medicine is needed, you know, so different yes. need different things. But I love that it sounds like, you, once you had the diagnosis, did some experimenting to figure out what helps or hurts mm-hmm. with your ability to focus or manage mm-hmm. your ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that empowerment and self-empowerment is really important. So knowing that you are a unique individual that may or may not respond to different things, that's the beauty of being human, right? So mm-hmm. embrace that and approach it with curiosity. It's like, I wonder how Mm. I might respond to this or, huh, I wonder if this will be a good thing for me. And that's a way to kind of go on the journey and also be, have the kind of self-efficacy that you need as an individual navigating a health issue. Any health issue. Any health issue. Any health issue, right? Exactly. And, you know, being a, a woman of color, I, I don't know that there were a lot of stories and models of other women of color with ADHD. Like, that's just not something I remember. I, I've seen a lot actually at all. So I'm really happy to be one. I'm very happy to advocate for other women because ADHD manifests itself differently in women. And I'm happy to be a woman of color advocating for other women who may or may not be have ADHD or maybe have an inkling that they might, and that it's a, it's a, it's a gift and you can navigate it really well and it can work to your advantage in your life. And that's why we're glad that you agreed to come on the podcast, because I think your voice and your positive message will serve so many people. So Thank you for that. Happy to do it. I take some supplements. I discovered something called Omega Bright, which is a supplement that has a lot of omega-3s in it. And that really helps me. So because I don't want to take medication and I, it's hard to, to find the right medication for me because I have high blood pressure. I, I think now there are many more options, mm-hmm. but I have ADHD. So I've been procrastinating, <laughs> figuring out like what that might be. But for now it, it works just fine. This other, all the other things that I'm doing with the Wellbutrin, which I'm still on. How does the Omega Bright help you? It gives me clearer focus, particularly in the morning. I find that there's just a added fine tuning of sharpness. Like if I were, uh, well, do we have these anymore? If you had a tuner and I was digitally tuning (laughs) on the radio, radio, it's Mm -hmm. like, it just takes the dial a little bit to the right. And so it's a little sharper. Highlight the importance of being in tune with your body and noticing things about yourself. And, And some people do it, I think more naturally than others, but it's important to try to develop that skill to listen to your body and Yes, for sure, Elaine. And meditation, I think meditation has helped me do that. That was not something that I was very good about. It, you know, sometimes with ADHD, you're just kind of riding the wave and and the crest of things in the moment and mm-hmm. having to having the ability to stop and use your breath to kind of check in. That's been a game changer for me. And I've really embraced the whole power of meditation to be much more present in your life, but also just to have a better sense of 
how you're doing and asking yourself, what do you, what do you need today? Mm -hmm. It's, it's really helpful. I, I wish I had discovered it earlier, but how did you learn how to meditate? Um, I use the Calm app. There are so many great apps out there. I tried doing it on my own and that just didn't work. That's good. And I also wanted to give you a chance to shout out the other ADHD podcasts that you listen to. If it's helping, maybe it'll help somebody else. Oh, yes. It's like my crazy ADHD brain is what okay. it is. You know, there's a whole list on healthline.com, which I use a lot for other things that has a list of the best ADHD podcasts. Just to go oh. back, Chad is Children and Adults with Attention Deficit oh, Disorder, okay. which is the organization that I, I discovered. So um, things are changing in terms of perceptions and, you know, understanding. Absolutely. Around this, which is, that's great news. And we need to keep, keep moving in that direction. For sure. Yes. Another one, just a podcast, the faster than normal podcast, which is hilarious. Okay. And it's all success stories, people with ADHD from CEOs to artists, rock stars, et cetera, just to kind of normalize right. and make it visible. So yeah. Anyway, and to show that it's a superpower. It is a superpower. <laughs> it is a superpower. Okay. Um, great. Yeah. I want to talk about money for a minute. So oh yes. You mentioned that you Stigma. Had, <laughs> you mentioned that you had an ADHD coach. Was that someone through the center or someone else? And also does your insurance pay for it? I got a referral to the ADHD coach through that center for Chesapeake Center. There is a site for ADHD coaching that if you just did a Google search where you can find a coach in your, in, in your area, mine was not covered by insurance at the time. I have not been with a coach for a while, so I don't know if more of them are covered under insurance. I hope so, because it was really expensive <laughs> to go to that center and, you know, it, it was easy and right there and convenient for me. I'm glad that I had the resources mm -hmm. to be able to do that, but many, many people don't and nor should they have to. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a thing. That's just definitely a thing. Given that it's ADHD is it's a medical diagnosis or, and a cognitive diagnosis. I think that's what the, the right way to talk about it. It should be covered just like behavioral health yes. is. Yes. So are the coaches, they're not doctors. Are they like therapists. Some are therapists, but they, they're trained. I mean, there is a very clear system and programming and path for official coaches that are endorsed by certain entities. So definitely look for someone that is endorsed. I know the Howell Center has a number of, they have a number of centers across the country, and then they have great referrals for coaches and other centers in the, in the country. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Some of those coaches and programs are they all have their their different expertise, right? Some are designed for people of a particular generation. Some are focused on leaders who run organizations and entrepreneurs. That's the, oh, I went okay. to somebody for that because it's not easy when you're running an organization or you know a CEO or an executive director and just the kind of people that you need to have around you or systems. And you know, a coach was really helpful to help me think about how do I. Kind of surround myself. That you have. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for a minute. I'm curious at work, what kind of people and or systems have you put in place to complement what you bring to make you do your best work? Right. So my right-hand person and team members have always been 
folks that are very, very good project managers, mm -hmm. super detailed, <laughs> um, and, and have great follow-up and follow-through. If you're the person that kind of gets everyone excited, yeah. paints the vision, inspires them on all the things that are possible or pitches the idea, then your other person is the person that follows up, mm -hmm. writes the note, or draft the note for you so you can actually edit it and then get it off. Yeah. Tracks your calendar, make sure that you know you're following up on all the different details. Cause I I I lose track of that. I, it's that's just something that I'm not super good at. It's not um, interesting to you. <laughs> it's not interesting. I, I've gotten a lot better with spreadsheets and tracking budgets. I mean, that's that's a skill that I've learned and I've learned how to hone, and that's been great. But having someone that whose brain is wired. Right. In that way, to help move projects along and to make sure that they're on track is so important. And what I bring, it's like, oh, here, here's the idea. Here are the ways that it can connect to other things. Here are the people that you should be talking to. Mm -hmm. Now help me do that. <laughs> Every team who wants to do anything needs people who have complementary skill sets. We don't, That's nobody right. needs a team that has everybody who has the same skill. So, I mean, that it's just normal and every day, but, you know, we don't think of it as that. That's right. And, you know, I mean, it's going back to diversity because historically people hire recruit people who are like, are them. like them yes that's exactly. what's comfortable. and you know it's the smart leader that realizes no I need to not hire people who are like me so you're yeah. a smart leader oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> so what other lessons from your experience with ADHD might you want to share with other black women who might be wondering if they have ADHD hmm. don't be afraid to explore the unknown. <laughs> it's hard when you have an inkling or you have a sense that you can't really explain that something might be different or off. Our intuition is very, very strong. As women, as Black women, I, I believe that we have a, a, an additional layer of intuition that's ancestral and mm -hmm. that is generational. And that's a beautiful thing. So don't be afraid to lean into that and explore that. I think that's really important. You know, there is also the stigma around being Black women leaders. Mm -hmm. We have to be twice as good mm -hmm. to get half as much. Always feeling like you have to have everything perfect. Right. And be perfect. And right. be perfect and not be able to falter. And there can be a lot of stigma and self-beratement around that. And it's even more important to care for yourself, knowing that you might have this superpower, special brain, and to treat it, treat yourself in a way that is kinder and gentler and allows you to be the full person that you want to be without stigma. So don't let fear get in the way. I love it. I love it. And we all have different strengths and weaknesses. We all just have to understand that we should lean into our strengths and, yes. you know, depend on others in the areas where we, we need help. And that's true for everyone. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I think if you do have ADHD as a woman, if you're comfortable, make yourself visible. We have been invisible in so many places. And I feel like we are in this era 
of being seen and known and our voices are even more powerful. Well, they've always been powerful, but I think more people are paying attention. Listening. <laughs> and listening. So that's really important is to use your voice to be seen and know that that's making a difference for somebody else. And we do that all the time anyway, as, as women and Black women, you know, we might do that for in our careers or in our community. We need to advocate and be seen from a health standpoint too, um, so that others know that it's it's okay that we exist and that people are thriving. And we exist fully in many ways. Exactly. exactly. And we thank you for doing that with us on this podcast. Yeah. We have a couple of questions that we usually ask people at the end. So. Oh, sure. It's my pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. Good. Let's see. On a scale of one to 10, how do you feel today? Nine. Yay! Yes, yeah. Tell yeah. us why. Um, I'm taking a day off today. I'm talking to you about things that are, are I'm passionate about and realizing and sharing this story that it's empowering to me to be able to share that and to maybe inspire somebody else. We have family coming to visit. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, life is good. That's great. And who or what inspires you to work towards your best health? Oh, well, my parents definitely inspired me. They're no longer here, but my dad was a public health physician Mm -hmm. and my mother was a consumer advocate in her own way and in her volunteer work. And, and, and both of them, um, championed wellness and wellness in a very holistic way and that you really only have one life so I think that's that they inspired me and you two inspire me actually for taking this on for your own individual paths with your health and how you've turned all of that and that passion and and challenge into something that's a gift for all of us. So thank you for doing this and for realizing how much it's needed and for championing women's health. Thank you, Krista. Thank you. you. What I take away from this conversation with Krista is the importance of making space for everybody. We know each human being is unique and, and we celebrate that because that's the beauty of humanity. But when society defines as normal, a narrow portion of a of the spectrum of possibility in one human characteristic, it really limits us all. Those people outside of that normal range have a harder life and they're not supported. And the society as a whole misses out on their brilliance. And I'm happy that as a society, we get to benefit from Krista's brilliance. I think that's partly because her parents protected her confidence. They saw her challenges and her strengths. They allowed her to thrive. And we can all do that as parents. You know, my son also has ADHD. And when he was in second grade, I asked his teacher, do you think Evan has ADHD? And she said, there's no way he has ADHD. He's so smart. Fortunately, today, most folks know that being smart and having ADHD are not mutually exclusive, but it wasn't that long ago that that teacher said those things. So when successful people like Krista talk about their ADHD, we increase awareness and reduce the stigma about this condition. For resources related to today's topic, please see the show notes or visit our website, 
bodywealthsisters.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at bodywealthsisters and to listen next week for the first in our two-episode series on childbirth with Maya Gold Patterson. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode inspires you to increase your body wealth. If you like our show, please subscribe and tell a friend. The Body Wealth Podcast shares personal stories to inspire you. It does not constitute medical advice. For that, we encourage you to work with a trusted healthcare provider. We also want to remind you that the views expressed by our guests are their own. This podcast is dedicated to our mother, Jean Fernandes Barbour, who showed us what advocating for yourself really looks like.